Super Talk Mississippi media production. William Carey University Athletics. Every sport you find exciting. Crusader Talk. Crusader Talk. Come on. This is Crusader Talk. Crusader Talk. We're covering everything William Carey University Athletics. From the field to the court and the diamond. On Super Talk Hattiesburg 97.3 and supertalkhattiesburg.com. Hey ho and what do you know? This quote from Extremely Goofy Movie, if you've ever seen that one. Welcome in everybody to Crusader Talk here on another Monday. As it's Caleb Hamill, Josh West, and Will Tony here with you. Recapping a lot of athletics action over this past week. The start of baseball season under our belts now. Had a lot of basketball played as well. Uh, a couple other things on the horizon coming up for William Carey as well. Josh, it feels like we're right in the middle of the crossover season we love so dear. It, it, it was. And what was even crazier about the game on Thursday night is you had a battle of top ten teams. We'll talk baseball later. And it got into the latter innings of that game, and it felt it was a nine-inning game. And then I had three seven-inning games on Friday, so it felt like a postseason game, number four versus number ten opening day. That was crazy. Indeed, it was. A lot of headlines over the weekend, too. But uh, the guy that's going to join us and start off the show is a man whose season has yet to begin here in 2024. Coach Craig Fletcher of the softball team at William Carey joins us here to start off the show. Coach Fletcher, how are you tonight? I'm doing well, thanks. All right. Well, Coach, you know, we come out of a season a year ago in which Carey had a lot of promise going towards the final few weeks of the regular season. Drop a few key contests and uh, do not win out the tournament for the SSAC. And kind of to mine, and at the time Ben Milam's surprise, were left out of the national picture. But it, when we look back at it to see you know, how many bids we expected the league to get, it kind of made sense that Carey would finally be that third team left out. But this is a team that a year ago was in a spot to possibly host, just come up short. But you return a lot of pieces this year. We do. We've got six seniors. All of those will start. Uh, certainly hurt us losing Haley Nations, but uh, pitching staff has been working hard. And, uh, you know, had, uh, very disappointing last year for the, for the girls and our coaching staff as well. And, uh, I agree with you. We we were the third team to be left out, and uh, you know, tough to swallow. But uh, I knew going into the SSAT tournament, I told the girls we we need to finish a strong second or first, or I'm afraid we may get left out because of the way the regular season had gone, and that's exactly what happened. So, uh, you know, hopefully this year uh, we're focused and uh, you know ready to get started, and uh, we can we can change things around. But to where we've been in the past this year. Coach, this is Josh West. Uh, excited to be covering the team throughout this season. And I remember when I got a chance to cover the team late last year, uh, was thoroughly entertaining games and some, some of those rivalry games late in the year. And then I had a chance to run into some of the ladies that were working their work study this past weekend over at baseball. A lot of energy, a lot of excitement. One of the questions I want to pose to you right out of the gate, though, is that did the way last season ended – um, was that something that served as added motivation this off season? I think so. Uh, like I said, they was uh, 
you know, going into the tournament, everything looked good last year. DJ had told us, uh, I don't think, uh, I don't see any problem, but uh, for myself, I just kept telling them, girls, we need to have a good show, and then when we didn't and we fell short, I, you know, talking in our postseason interviews with each of them and all, uh, I I think it left a bad taste, and I hope it did. And uh, they've been working hard. We had a good fall, and uh, so far with the spring coming up, uh, everything has went well. And uh, I think they're hungry. So, uh, you know, this weekend we'll, we'll tell. We get started, and, uh, you know, we'll see how things go. Coach, you've alluded to it already here to start off the show, but losing Haley Nations uh, to graduation after last season is probably one of the biggest holes that you've been left with a task to fill in uh, entering this season. One returning piece in the pitching rotation is Ryan Hornsby, and I feel like she's more than likely going to be y'all's go-to person. Uh, What does she bring to the table, and what are the pieces that are going to have to surround her this season to kind of go for the long haul of a full year? I think Ryan will do really well. Uh, I like her demeanor on the mound last year as a freshman started out i believe it was nine and oh before she had her first loss and uh just uh held herself well i think pitching behind haley was really good for her uh they were real close they challenged each other ryan is definitely uh one of the hardest workers that i have at any position the weight room running just you know whatever we do ryan is uh, you can tell she's want to get better and uh she will be you know our number one this year and uh she and i have talked with coach megan bond our pitching coach and uh she knows that you know uh plate is uh gonna be a tough one to, but I, I i think she'll get the job done i think she's looking ready uh, looking for and is ready for the challenge coming up this year to take the number one spot Coach, uh, going back to when we mentioned the seniors and having six seniors, do you like the mix of the veterans that are able to be the coaches on the diamond that can really relay what's going on and you don't have to step in all the time and bring them in and have those meetings inside the circle? Do you feel like you got a, a good mix of the newcomers and that energy and that talent with the veteran crew? Talking with some players, uh, just one-on-one, I you know, throughout the year, I kind of asked how's everything going with the, the seniors and senior leadership, and it talked to them. Uh, the underclassmen really seem to like um, this group. They all get along well. They just, they've not just come in and, you know, because their seniors have just taken over. They uh, have, have taken the leadership role, but they've also been the type of, uh, leaders to see this is all about the team and not just the group of seniors yeah they certainly want to do well going out there last year we this will be our last group of uh covid girls and um i think those fifth year girls really want to you know do well and uh i've been real pleased with the way their leadership has been and then uh the way the, the whole team is seems to be working together and just has a uh a team first mentality coach and thinking about some of the different players that are returning this year you have a lot of slap hitters people like uh, rachel rodriguez and alex davis who's such a speedster when she's out there on the base paths come to mind but also a, a couple people out there that you know 
may shock uh, some of the viewers. It may not shock them as far as their ability to have really good slugging days at the plate, one of which I think about is D.D. West, who I think has more muscle mass to spare at the plate than anybody I've seen come out there to the diamond in quite a while. Uh, how does the mix of you know slap hitters and power hitters you know, come together in the lineup this year? I'm excited for what we've got. Uh, we had a good fall. Uh, we played well, played well against Southern and several of the junior colleges. Um, the mix with some pop, we don't have anybody that's just going to hit 20 home runs. Dee is certainly capable of hitting, you know, 12 to 15. Collie Kidder is certainly capable of hitting a few. Um, we'll have uh, four slappers in the lineup, uh, all with certainly a, a whole lot of speed, like you said. we got a little freshman named Liz Cross who's come in that slaps and uh in the fall, she had a good fall. So throughout the lineup, we we got the speed, and then we've got some uh, girls that you know with some gap power, some home run power. Uh, definitely, uh, I, I feel better. Last last year's starting lineup offensively is basically this year's. We did not lose a, a starter, and uh, so that's exciting. And I, I think the girls are, are ready to play. But uh, Dee Dee, I'm. I'm hoping that she will really step up and and have the type of year that I know she can have, and I'd love to see her, you know, put up some big numbers for us. That would be huge. Uh, Coach Josh again here as we wrap it up. We've got a little over a minute left. I was visiting. I was visiting with Rachel, and I was I was vi- visiting with Alex. It was their work study on Thursday with during the baseball game, and just had a chance to visit with them. Their energy, their enthusiasm. They were talking about this speed. They felt like there were seven players in that lineup that anytime you're watching one of those seven run, they looked like the fastest. How's that going to translate into opening weekend? Uh, talk about some of the matchups and how you want this team to put pressure a lot of pressure on the defense of the opponent yeah like like you were saying what they said we we've got a lot of speed uh and with a little bit of power but i have really stressed being aggressive on the bases with the speed that we've got in our scrimmages and our our defensive work that we do when we put base runners out there I, i tell them you know try to take the extra base put pressure on the defense so we've We've done that, and I think it's been good for offense and our base running. I think it's prepared our defense well. So uh, going into this weekend, um, you know, we've gotten several opportunities to scrimmage. Um, We've, you know, done well. Some days pitching will do better than hitting, other days hitting. So that's what I wanted to see. I don't want just one to dominate every time we go out there. So I I believe we do have a a good mix with – the starting lineup with, uh, you know, uh, just as you said, they said uh, about seven girls can steal a base for you and, and put some pressure on the defense. So I'm looking for an exciting weekend. I think a lot of good things can happen. Going to be a good one down in Alexandria, Louisiana for the LSUA invite. Coach Fletcher, good luck to your program. We look forward to visiting with you as the season progresses. Thank you guys very much. Thanks, right. Coach. That is Coach Craig Fletcher, head coach of the William Carey Softball Program. When we return, we'll break down what we saw over the weekend with basketball and baseball. This is Crusader Talk. Talking everything William Carey University Athletics, this is Crusader Talk. 
on Super Talk Hattiesburg 97.3 and supertalkhattiesburg.com. Good conversation with Coach Fletcher on the softball side. Their season about to begin this weekend as there's some rain in the forecast. Hopefully they get to still play, but they'll be down in Alexandria, Louisiana, taking on the host team Friday at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Play Central Baptist College later on at 4.30, so back-to-back games uh, to start off. And then Saturday they'll face Houston Victoria at 9 a.m. Get your breakfast and some softball early on Saturday, and then they'll follow that up with a 1 o'clock afternoon game against Texas A&M Texarkana. So a four-game stretch to begin the season for Coach Fletcher and the softball team, and then it'll be a while before they come home. In fact, it'll be their first conference weekend in which they'll host UT Southern and Blue Mountain Christian uh, when they're finally in Hattiesburg for their first games at Joseph and Nancy Fail Field. Look ahead on your calendar and mark that as February 23rd. That's a Friday. And then the 24th Saturday for the first games, William Carey will play at home in softball. Josh, you got to cover a little bit of baseball this weekend, and the Crusaders who are as we told Coach Halford, and he would even echo it right back at us, uh, they had a target on their back coming into the beginning of this season. You know, already ranked in the NAIA opening or preseason poll in the top ten. Missouri Baptist also up in the rankings as well coming into Hattiesburg this past weekend. Uh, tough matchup for William Carey. We knew going in these were talented teams, and all parties involved prove such. Well, you mentioned the bullseye on the back, and uh, Andrew Shire goes out, doesn't get off to a great start in that game, gives up a home run in the top of the first inning. In fact, three home runs to the four, three, and the two-hole hitters for Missouri Baptist, and then you turn around the following day, and the leadoff guy gets a home run. So through those two games, you split with the 10th-ranked team in the country, but you give up home runs to the top four guys in that lineup, and those were the four guys in that lineup that came back, all four returners, averaging batting averages of 387 or better. Three of those guys were at 400 or better batting average coming back this year. So that is a loaded Missouri Baptist lineup. Now, the, the other interesting storyline, we were all expecting is she, to see uh, Green and Stinson lead it off, right, in the bottom of the first inning. So two NAI All-Americans, Green, their ace pitcher, 11-2 and two a year ago, sixth in the country in strikeouts with 117. He is right now rehabbing a shoulder injury. Word got to us Friday night to the booth that he was out for the year. Then I was able to confirm on Saturday or Friday morning that they hope to have him back in a week or two. So that's how the rumor weed grows. It just it kind of ballooned. But um, that, that, that never – transpired but then you even go deeper into that top three guys in that rotation for Missouri Baptist were out so Kerry actually faced the number four starter for Missouri Baptist lost 5-3 came back got into the bullpen on Friday and really wore him out Friday had a seven run inning scored 12 unanswered runs and won 12 to three and then won later that night six to one before dropping the game on Saturday but the big takeaways from the weekend here are these. I mentioned uh, Andrew Shira struggling. Uh, Dario Herrera was just as good on the other side. He was extremely impressive, got the start, got the win, did not give up a run in five and a third. Luke Lissette came in when that game was hanging in the balance. Kerry was trailing on Thursday night. Shira had been pulled. You bring in Luke Lissette, 
and Luke comes in and gives you a four and a third. Not only that, remember those guys at the top of the lineup? He strikes out three batters with two on and nobody out. So after Shira had seen the eight and nine hole hitters get on, Lissette comes in, strikeout, strikeout, strikeout. So we're learning a lot about how Luke Lissette is going to be a big factor. Then the other thing, of course, uh, Brandon Co- or Braden Coffee is going to be the big you know, eye-popping stats this weekend goes six for nine, six sixty-seven coming out of the weekend. But the shocker of the weekend is the fact that you see Jake Lissette and Bridley Thomas, your two and three hole hitters, go a combined zero for twenty-five. Wow, zero for twenty-five from your two and three hole, and you lose by two runs on Thursday night to the number ten team in the country, and then you lose by a few runs again on Saturday. So Kerry will get that figured out. Were they pressing? Were, did, was it their approach? You know, wasn't great. We we heard t- Coach Halford talk about that on Thursday night that he wasn't thrilled with the approach. Twenty eight guys were left on base between the two teams. Kerry left fifteen on base in that loss on Thursday night in that that two run loss. But uh, you know, again, I think this team's going to be fine. Um, that was a great test early. You know, you look at Campbellsville record; they lose. They go one and three on the weekend. They have two losses to a underrated number ten team, and they have a loss to the number four ranked team in the polls. Who again? Those teams. We might look up when the next poll comes out, and the two flip flop. Missouri Baptist might be four. Kerry might be ten, but still, Campbellsville is going to be a better team when the season goes on. So I, I think it was a good. I, I would have loved to have gone three and one. And I think Kerry fans would have said the same after you dropped that game on Thursday. But all in all, this team will be fine. Yeah, and when you look at the runs that were scored for Missouri Baptist on Thursday night, all of them were scored on home runs. They never once had a regular base hit to bat in a run or was there a a walked-in run, nothing of that sort. It was always just a ball that was hung up out there that got launched out of the yard. And teams can't live in – or the teams will live and die by the home run. And when it comes down to it, as the season progresses, you're not going to see all the games play out with – the team scoring all the runs on home runs. It's going to take piecing runs together to get into a game against William Carey. And then you turn around the other side, not every game is going to be just a three-run a three run day for William Carey. It's, it's just kind of one of those perfect recipes uh, that was kind of the reason that Carey fell in their opening ball game. Well, and Carey scores 12 runs in that second game and that bounce-back win over Missouri Baptist. And again, you got nothing from your two and three spots. Um, now, you did have Thomas and Lissette that did get on base, whether that was hit batters or walks. However, uh, for them to go over for the weekend, I think that it can also just be a product of you come in with super high expectations, um, and then when maybe the first game, the first couple of games don't go your way, then you start pressing a little bit. I think the best thing for those guys is just to have a few days off and then to try it again this weekend. I think they'll be fine. I do too, and they've got coming up on the schedule Talladega, which is a team that was in the SSAC last year. Now they're uh, part of a new conference. I believe they're part of the uh, GCAC, um, of which Kerry used to be a member back in the day. But uh, they have three games coming up. They have one Friday and then two Saturday. But this is a Tornadoes team in Talladega uh, that went winless on the weekend, facing an SSAC team in Thomas, a Lost two to seven, four to ten, and then seven to seventeen in run roll fashion on that second game Saturday. Uh, this team struggles as far as what it is the early indication with their pitching. 
and the runs that they're giving up. As far as run production, maybe kind of middle of the pack, you know, maybe a little bit left to be desired. Batting always kind of trails the uh, pitching when it comes to the early part of the season, is at least what it is the typical flow of things uh, from year to year. So I, I would say for Crusader fans that are, you know, wanting to count the season out after just one week and need to hold their breath and come out this weekend and see uh, the Crusaders possibly bounce back against Talladega. I think this is a weekend where the Crusaders could certainly uh, have a good showing. Uh, could even come away not just two of three winning, but possibly even getting a sweep. Oh, I would think that a sweep would be the expectation uh, this weekend, certainly uh, with the way the preseason polls were in the southern states and looking at the matchup and how Talladega fared last week. And I'm just excited. I'm going to be keyed in on how Shira pitches in game one if he is indeed still the game one starter. Um, I also liked McGee pitching in that game. I thought he he fared well in that starting role against Missouri Baptist on Friday. Again, it was a Thursday, Friday, Saturday this weekend. And then I'm also, uh, again, I, I cannot wait to see. Because now Thomas, let me go back and just and give this. I don't think I've ever seen this. Bridley Thomas, the two-hole hitter, goes over, over 11. He was on base seven times. <laughs> he was hit by a pitch five times in four games have you ever will five times and two walks i don't Uh, know if i've ever seen five hit by pitches not in the college ranks but when i was playing little league that that, that's the reason (laughs) i stopped when i was nine years old i got hit literally every time i got up to bat and i looked at my dad i said do i have to keep doing this he said finish the season and then you can stop. <laughs> that sounds like Cam Trosclair. He got hit in his first two plate appearances of the season. The second one was a fastball. Yeah. It drilled him. It was so he's slamming the bat. He's slamming the helmet. It was he just wanted to hit. He just wanted to swing the bat. Mine was the first was year drilled. of kid pitch, okay? So there's no control and they're trying to see how hard they can throw it. You catch one of those in the ribs as a nine year old and it, it'll there's make nothing you want to, quit. to there's nothing to protect you at that no, point. There's not. By the way, final note on just kind of looking ahead at this matchup this weekend. Talladega last year was the first conference opponent Kerry played. Uh, actually lost the series, uh, lost two of the three, but then proceeded to go on a 24-game NAIA winning streak. They had a loss to Mississippi College sprinkled in there, but otherwise a 24-game win streak. Bobby doesn't let them forget about that, does he? That they lost two out of three last year? That may be a little motivation for the guys that have returned from last year. I would say so. I think so, too. When we come back, have some basketball action to recap. Women's basketball on a roll. Men's basketball had a good showing this week as well. Still a lot to play for as we continue on to the season as the seeding for the conference tournament is a big eye-catcher right now. Women's basketball, possibly still a chance to win the SSAC. We'll break that one down for you next as we continue on Crusader Talk here on this Monday. to the student athletes and the fans that cheer them on. You're listening to Crusader Talk on Super Talk Hattiesburg 97.3 and supertalkhattiesburg.com. All right, we've waited long enough. Time to talk basketball here on Crusader Talk as we have four games to break down and recap here from the previous week. William Carey getting the job done both in men's and women's action against Faulkner. 
not an easy task at all as the women were having a revenge game against Faulkner and getting revenge they did winning 73 excuse me check that looking at the wrong box score over here 58 to 47 in a defensive struggle Josh lowest scoring percentage uh, for William Carey this season in that game 32.8 percent shooting from the floor yet they still get the job done uh, over Faulkner and this is a matchup that was was tough earlier this season uh, as part of that little two game skid after beating Thomas they, they lost the two games against Mobile and the one against Faulkner those are the two that have haunted them uh, it kind of as they approach the end of the season but it was a win they needed and it was a win that when the final horn sounded you were finally able to breathe that sigh of relief and say okay we, we were able to do this and it was somewhat comfortable by the end well I was over in Montgomery, and I got the rude welcome to how good Faulkner is in that gym. And then you remember the guys were lucky to escape with a 97-95 win over in Montgomery that night with Coach Knight not in attendance. But I just went back and pulled the box score from the loss, and that was a game where Faulkner just – there was a stretch in that game where they shot the cover off the ball from three-point range. They finished 40% from beyond the arc, 10 of 25 in that game. But it was their ability to hit the deep ball, or you could also say equally William Carey's inability to – defend the three and sometimes in transition that was a downfall in that game but it was also that game in which um Blatney was out right this was a shorthanded William Carey team and Blatney back and the way Blatney is is playing coming off a SSAC player of the week nod and Will and I we were all talking about it in the commercial break the high-low action of Corpus and Blakeney, there's two that you have to guard, so it limits your ability to front in the post or double team and help side defense, and um, and it's allowed Carey to, at times, when they get rolling offensively, have their way. And so talking to Coach English on Thursday night and into Friday and just visiting about the game, I guess it would have been Friday, yes, my days run together. He, he said that the, the coach at Faulkner, they talked for a half hour after the game, he said, Coach, your ability to make us take shots not in our spots, whether we're a foot over or a foot deeper out, you get us off our spots, you make us uncomfortable, you made us rush shots, we see what you're doing, we know you're doing it, we're preparing for it, in fact, we even want to play like you play, but but you're able to do it, and, and I don't know how you do it, because uh, and, and so it's actually been the defense of the Crusaders that has been catching the attention of coaches and teams around the league because we're seeing some of the point totals that they're limiting opponents to. This is a carry team that is giving up only 55 points per game. I didn't realize it was that good until I looked at stats this afternoon, and I was just like, wow, that's an impressive number. If I'm not mistaken, I think they're top 10 in – opponent's field goal percentage this season. I have to go back and look and see exactly where that stood, but I believe that's where they are positioning themselves. You mentioned Colton Blakeney. She comes off of an SSAC Player of the Week honor in her game against Thomas. That game against Faulkner, no points for Blakeney. Went 0 for 6. Obviously, bot scores can kind of lie. She did have five rebounds, a couple of assists, a couple blocks as well. Uh, But the real story in that game was, one, they were able to find Corpus, get her the bas- or get her the basketball. She finishes with a double double in the game, and outside of that, it took a long time for players like 
Rose Warren and Lauren Rowley to get into the scoring column. So it took some of the players off the bench. Leah Sutton had to play some quality minutes out there, get five points. Uh, you saw Dede Cuevas come away with six, and eventually Rowley and Warren kind of got warmed up and got close to double figures. In Rowley's case, Warren finished with 11, as I believe she still averages over 10 per game. But this was a slow-moving game. Josh, in the second quarter, I, I'm remembering this now, neither team scored until the five-minute mark. Incredible. And, and some of that, again, it's how well these two teams defend. It's how well these two teams are coached. But I want, I wanted to – I had a question teed up for you. And, and the question is, and you've been around this league longer and you've seen games and have more of a depth of knowledge of, of these teams over the last multiple years. I'm the new kid on the block. Looking around this league and you've seen more of the games because the teams that have come into Clinton Gym than I've seen, from what you have seen, is there a deeper team – in the league than William Carey because you hear Coach English talk about it in practice. The starters will struggle some days in practice because the second team is just whipping them. They're just getting whipped by the second team. Coach English mentioned that exact word that you just said, depth, uh, to me post game, And he said, but it's not a matter of how many players beyond the first five that you have. It's the depth of the players themselves, of what they're able to do, whether it's just starting five, their depth of how long they can go out there on the floor versus how long the players that are maybe the next five that could come in, such as Cuevas or uh, Sutton or Cooley, all of these that are available at your fingertips are ones that can give you long-quality minutes, not just ones that go in for five minutes while the other gets a water break and come back out there. These girls that he has at his disposal are players that could be on the starting five rotation for other SSAC teams, but they put in so much work into these games that go beyond just one statistical category. They're not just good rebounders. They're not just good three-point shooters. Their depth in so many different categories put together a very full and well put together team. Yeah, when I hear you talking about that, I think about watching the team warm up. You know, we get to the gym probably 90 minutes or so before, and they're going through stretching, they're going through warm ups. They are so relaxed, they are so laid back. They're almost like, hey, look, the game's about to start here in an hour. We need you to. No, no, no. They are just so comfortable in the work that they've done to prepare. There's just such a quiet confidence about this team. Adding another layer to what you're talking about, the combinations that Coach English can put on the floor. I really do believe and and that this team, there's a genuine um, appreciation and affection for one another. They care about one another. They're, they all are interchangeable on this team. So it's not like, okay, uh, I've got this player in foul trouble. Well, to get this player in, I need to have these two players around her. No, it's just plug and pop and go, and whoever's available, whoever needs to be fit in for that moment, they can fit in with the other three or four, and, and the combinations are endless that they have uh, depending on the matchups, and that is a true luxury. And you can tell that Coach Garriga and Coach English are having a blast. They're able to just coach and not worry about any type of drama, not have to worry about any type of factions or any type of those things. Things that is really prevalent in the college game. And, and I've, I've noticed that in the women's game, 
it, it can be maybe a little bit more emotional. But you see it in the men's game now as well. Mm-hmm. You see having to battle those um, just little things that, that the average fan, nobody knows, boosters, fans, no, don't know anything about. That's behind closed doors. That's at practice. That's amongst maybe even having to get parents involved, whatever. No, you've got a great, great thing going. And I don't mind talking about it because I think they're proud of that. I think they take pride in that. I think that there is a genuine affection, a great culture fit for that team right now. That's going to carry them a long way because it, it, what it did was they didn't emotionally get too high during the 6-0 and start. They also didn't get too low during the losing streak when they had some injuries. They have been steady all year. The same team warm up when they were on the winning streaks. The same team you saw warming up and going through the process during the losing streak. I I just can't say enough good things about this team. I was high on them from the beginning, and so it's been fun every week. You know, I'll go on the road, and I'll say, hey, we won two more. And then um, Caleb jumps back in at home, and I'm like, hey, you got two more. You know, let's see if we can't go get two more. And, and you, it's just fun. It's just it's just building and building. And I'm telling you, folks, Kerry fans, you've got to get to Clinton Gym to watch this team. In particular, you've got to mark your calendar for February 24th when Loyola comes to town because that feels like that could be a big, big Saturday. That's a good lia- or a little segue there. Uh, just to put an end cap on the week, big win against Stillman, a, a 20-point victory. Carry out rebounded Stillman, I think, thirty-one to nine at the first half's end, and that carried over into the second half. Crusaders had their way there. Looking at the standings for the SSAC as it relates to women's basketball, and then we'll rotate over to Coach uh, Knight's squad and men's basketball. Uh, William Carey currently sits in third place behind Loyola and Mobile. Mobile surprise win. I'd say surprise. A good win over Loyola, who was previously just one loss on the year. Oddly enough, to Faulkner. Uh, was who they had their one loss to. So now Loyola sits with two losses, 11-2 record. Mobile sits at 12-3. and So by percentage, they're just slightly behind Loyola, but one more win and they've jumped them. Um, and then Carey sits at 9-3 with several more games left to play. Uh, but when you look at who Loyola and Mobile have left on the schedule, they have to play each other one more time, this time over in Mobile, which we know is a tough place to play. Far gym is... Uh, as good of an environment as any in the NAIA. Uh, but when you look at William Carey's uh, schedule coming up, you have this week, you have Bruton Parker, Middle Georgia State, two teams that Carey's already beaten at home and a chance to take them on on the road. But when you look at how they stack up in the conference as far as the standings, Middle Georgia State, uh, third to last in those standings, and then Bruton Parker right there in the middle of the pack sitting at seven and six. Uh, Elsewhere in the schedule, William Carey still has UT Southern, Blue Mountain Christian, Stillman, and then wrap up with Loyola. All of these teams minus Loyola are teams that Carey has beaten this year, and it all sets up for that game that you mentioned, Josh, a game against Loyola to possibly, if you know certain wins and losses happen on the Loyola and Mobile side, if Carey continues to win, could set up a winner-takes-the-conference game on the 24th it could it could but it also sets up with a situation where it's going to be two teams or let me let me say this three teams playing for the top two spots where a semifinal game against Cary or Mobile or Cary or Loyola could be 
for that national tournament in the semifinals because it's going to be a two-bid league this year. That's right. So the winner of the regular season goes to the national tournament and then the winner of the conference tournament goes. And if they're the same team, then the second-place tournament finisher goes in that second-bid spot. All right. Out of time for this segment, we'll quickly wrap things up about uh, men's basketball when we return. Full week of Crusader Athletics action. We'll also preview this calendar for the week ahead of us with baseball and basketball action on the horizon. So when we return, that's coming up and more as Josh and I wrap things up with you next here on Crusader Talk. Listening to Crusader Talk on Super Talk Hattiesburg 97.3 and supertalkhattiesburg.com. Final segment with you here on Crusader Talk. A little quick recap of men's basketball, and then we'll get to Crusader of the Week and look ahead at the calendar. Uh, men's team getting a big win over Faulkner, and that one was not easy, even though the final score was an 11 point differential. These teams. Uh, were very tight after the first half. In fact, Faulkner had a one-point lead, 38-37. But Carey was able to finally string together a big run and go out in front, led by Dylan Brumfield, who finished with 29 points in that game. Uh, Only five rebounds, but the points are what matter on the scoreboard, and that's what the Crusaders got more of uh, when all was said and done. Moore finished with 10. Smith finished with 10 as well. And the Crusaders come away with a big victory to – increase their likelihood of finishing in those top six places of the conference before the tournament begins, which is key, again, because you, one, don't want to play on Wednesday morning uh, to play an extra game there. Uh, But two, we're kind of talking off air about this. Another thing that you want to kind of keep your eye on is what seed that you're going to be in going into the tournament. And I have the utmost respect for what UT Southern's been able to do this season. They're going to come into Clinton Gym here in a couple weeks uh, and play William Carey on their home floor, on Carey's home floor, that is. Uh, but this is a team that is undefeated this year in conference play. They are the team that is basically locked up the conference at this point. But that said, if you assume that they will continue to be this buzzsaw, and with the knowledge that we have of who goes into the national tournament automatically, you would much more – hope to be on the opposite side of the conference tournament bracket than UT Southern with a chance to win a semifinal and go to the championship game. Assuming you'd match up against UT Southern, then you would be guaranteed a spot in the national tournament if you make the championship game against them. All right, so I'm going to play devil's advocate here. If Certainly. I, I don't know if I'm allowed to do that on a Baptist radio program. <laughs> um, but UT Southerners won 17 in a row. They're 15-0. and 0. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, When I look at this record of Carey sitting at 9-5 and five in a two-way tie for fourth, I just kind of get the feeling that that's going to be Carey's lot in life, so to speak. I just feel like they are going to be in that 4-5 spot. They could catch Mobile, maybe. Uh, maybe Stillman takes a tumble at that 12-3 and three spot. But if you're going to have to play somebody that's that good, 
if you're, I, I would want UT Southern to keep that winning streak going, have it at 22, 23, 24 games. That bullseye gets really big, mm-hmm. and it gets very heavy, very cumbersome. If UT Southern comes into Clinton Gym, beats Kerry in a close game, hard to beat the same team three times. So if Kerry does have to do that, what a story it would be to be able to knock them off in the semis. But then they would have to go and win the championship game as well. Josh, we've talked about this before, and if you're going to lose a game, it matters when you lose it. And we've talked about different teams that have done that before. Let them keep winning and let us be the one that beats them. Right. And, you know, I've got to look at the schedule again here for Kerry and see what's coming up. You've got Bruton Parker. It's going to be a challenging. Yeah, I've lost the last three games against Bruton Parker, by the way. Yeah. I think more likely you would just need maybe is that life to come up and catch Kerry by game or so because again if Kerry slips to that six seed still gets the bye and then is going to be on the opposite side of the bracket of UT Southern. And here's what stinks about the fairness of how this season was set up. You look at the standings. You look at how you know, propped up Mobile is. It to me what would be ideal is if Kerry jumps Mobile and takes that three spot. If everything else holds match up with Stillman possibly in a semifinal and Mobile would have to play maybe UT Southern if they make it to that game because here's what's unfair and it is fair but Mobile gets to play Point University the bottom team of the conference twice they've already gotten their two wins against them and they don't have to play UT Southern who does Kerry have to play twice UT Southern who do they not have on the schedule Point University so you talk Mm. about two it would end up being a four game swing when you look at it, if Kerry loses to UT Southern later on in the regular season, when you look at who these two teams had to play, and Kerry's already beaten Mobile twice. So it's almost like I, I hope for the parity of seeing Kerry and Mobile in a tie at the end of the regular season to where Kerry can jump Mobile into that maybe third spot. If Kerry goes 12-8, and eight, which is the most likely scenario on the high end, do you think they're, you think they're the sixth seed? Is 11-9 and nine the sixth seed? What's your take? Because uh, that's because tough. I mean, so Life gonna... University is kind of that oddball that you kind of wonder. Okay, what are they going to do, and what's the next spot down going to do as well? They're going to be underdogs at Stillman at home against UT Southern, and it's going to be a coin flip against Loyola, and they've already lost to Bruton Parker, so they're going to be an underdog on the road at Bruton Parker coming up on Thursday night. So they've only got two games that they'll be favored in the last six. It's going to be tough. We'll see. There's this is why you play the game to see how you'll finish out. All right, Crusader the week before we're out of time here. Uh, tough one because we've had a couple good matchups this week, a couple of good athletes, but I think I'm going to give the nod to a baseball player. You think yeah, so? Absolutely. Dario Herrera, he gets the win. He goes five and a third, strikes out nine, only one walk. He is able to scatter four hits, gives up a run unearned so that he's got the uh, – was it the buckshot is the way to say it in terms of ERA? 0.00. In terms of ERA through the first week, congratulations to Dario Herrera. The Southpaw from Panama, Dario Herrera, Crusader of the Week. That's going to do it for us. We appreciate you tuning in today. If you missed us live, you can catch us in podcast form uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Just search Crusader Talk. For Will Tony and my co-host Josh West, I'm Caleb Hamill. Until next time, good night, God bless, and go Saders.
Talk Mississippi Media Production.